Welcome to the Live Recess Podcast, where we journey together toward unlocking a more compassionate experience with ourselves, others, and the universe. Through meaningful interactions, we aim to detach from our thoughts and feelings in order to spark light. Whether you're seeking a moment of peace, a new perspective, or a deeper understanding of yourself and the world around you, this is your sign to take a recess. Hey, Bailey. Oh, hey, Miss Abby. How's it going? How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm very excited to dig in a little deeper today. I know. I am as well. Super exciting to get this thing off the ground and let everybody get to know us just a little bit. For anyone that missed it, each of our episodes are going to be dedicated to diving into a variety of different topics, kind of evolving around this idea of wellness, but also just the general concept of accepting ourselves, remaining present, and simplifying and balancing out our lives. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. We've got a lot of really cool people coming your way between the podcast and then I know we teased it a little bit in the intro if you haven't heard it, um, our upcoming retreat this fall. So we're going to have workshops brought to you by experts in physical wellness, mental wellness, um, lifestyle, just your day-to-day, how to do life better, more cohesively, and I think simpler is, is the big one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today we kind of wanted to start out by really introducing you to why we're here and who the heck we are, because who are we to tell you guys anything? So this will hopefully give you a better idea and grasp on where we're coming from, the context that brought us here, and kind of how we came across this amazing network that we're really excited to introduce you to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, let's uh, let's dive in, Bailey. Um, would you like to get started or would you like me to? Let's go in strong. Go ahead and give them, give them your start. All right. Sounds good. So I am Abby Stitch Stick, depending on who you ask, uh, German last name, soon to be Kadaro. So we'll just keep it real confusing for you. Um, I was raised in a pretty typical, you know, mom, dad handful of siblings. I had three older brothers, household, church on Sunday, suburban, pretty much what you're picturing is what it is. Um, Grew up in that environment. Religion was a huge, huge part of our upbringing, which was both a huge blessing. And um, as you'll find, excuse me, a little bit later in the story, um, kind of found ways that maybe it was a little bit of a curse for me and, and learning points and some friction. But um, I do think that the environment in which I grew up kind of influenced me as I went to college and started my early 20s. I felt a lot of pressure between being in the South and that religious aspect of things. Um, And I got married pretty young. So I was 21 when I got married. Um, It was pretty good, honestly. It It was fine for a handful of years, about five years. And then about five years in, um, kind of took a turn. My partner at the time started drinking quite a bit and drugs were kind of thrown into the mix. And it obviously, I mean, that stuff rarely ends up being a good influence. So in our case, it definitely was not the greatest influence. Um, And so it led us to 
led me specifically to really question a lot. Um, around that time, there was also a battle with cancer with his mom, and that led us down a caretaking route where, you know, I don't know if you've ever had to take care of somebody who had pretty chronic, bad end of life disease, but it brings up some questions. It brings up a lot of those things that you learned growing up, whether it was through religion or just your general worldview about why we're here and where do we all go and all those big, fun, scary questions. And it made me really look at my circumstances. Um, so Cliff Notes version, but that was kind of upbringing, general background. I know for those of you who don't know, Bailey and I have gosh, what is it? Like a nine-year age difference? Is that what it is? Yeah, just about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's crazy. we'll kick it back to Bailey's childhood. Was yours <laughs> kind of similar? Was it different? I mean, I know some, but tell me more. It, yeah. I mean, overall, very positive experience <laughs> growing up. I feel like um, my experience with religion wasn't quite as deep as your experience. It was a lot of exploring as a family um i remember just bumping around to a different church kind of every few weeks just to like feel out what wor worked for our family and what stuck um and then end up landing kind of in just you know kind of that traditional non-denominational type of church but you know my my parents did a great job of opening conversations after sundays and saying like what did you think about the sermon do you believe this? Should we dig into it more? Can we have discussions about this? Um, I grew up very curious. I think a lot of that came from my parents as well, just being open to having discussions with me. And um, so I ultimately did not land in a marriage when I was 21. <laughs> All that to be said. Um, but, you know, I have my fair share of imperfections and struggles. Um, I think the biggest impacts that came out of my upbringing was less on the side of religion but even though even any interaction that I think you have with power complex people that you know share beliefs and and things like that with you can be impactful regardless of whether how into the religion you are but um you know I do struggle a lot with other aspects of my upbringing you know as far as my dad worked in law enforcement and a lot of his you know, tactics for raising me were, were fear-based, which is funny because I, I feel like you struggle with fear-based from the church. And I have similar just from, you know, hearing stories. And like, even to this day, I really, really struggle with these catastrophic fears of feeling unsafe in my environment or just feeling like something bad's going to happen. And, and, you know, we can get more into how that kind of trickles down. But, you know, throughout, you know, the first 20-ish so years of my life, it wasn't so much fear that it really impacted much of my life. And then when it came to kind of balancing work and, you know, other commitments and school and friends and internships and all these different things towards the end of college, that's kind of when it all started imploding. And I think I was able to recognize that I just didn't have this foundational knowledge of what my emotions were, what was reality, what my actual beliefs were. You know, I think a lot of times when you're in that situation, you kind of fall back on these religious beliefs of like, I need this this belief system to like pull me out of this. Like why there's nothing helping. 
and then, you know, also feelings of guilt, things like that. So I kind of came to um, a nail head towards the end of college when I started experiencing pretty major, you know, panic attacks and just mental health concerns in general. And mm-hmm. that is what kind of forced me into my own self-exploration. It wasn't thankfully as, you know, huge as, you know, taking care of someone that's sick or being in this relationship, but, you know, ultimately it led us to this place. So kind of walk us through, you know, how that experience with his mom and having these questions about life in general further, you know, pushed you in this direction to do some self-exploration. Yeah, totally. Uh, Well, first of all, I mean, it's all perspective. Like, until I went through that, the hardest thing I had gone through was, you know, college. So Mm -hmm. it's all perspective. And ultimately, like you said, it it leads us to where we need to be. But in my case, it initially led me to feeling really trapped. You know, I think that because it sounds a little selfish, um, but in the moment, you can't leave a bad situation. I mean, you can, but you don't want to leave a bad situation. You don't want to leave somebody when they're in a situation where their mother is sick and their mm-hmm. family is kind of counting on you to help out and they're counting on you. And it turns into a lot of pressure. And then you add in that additional pressure from society, from being a Southern woman with religious family values. You know, it's, it just led me to feel very much like I was in a box. Um, mm-hmm. So to cope, Number one, I was stressed out to the max. I'm sure that I was not the most pleasant person to be around. So when I say all of this, you know, I'm going to tell this story. And I think that no one's the villain in their own story. But just for full transparency, I do believe that I can look back on the situation and see where I was not the most fun to be around. And I can totally acknowledge that. As a result, I think what kind of happened is that me and my partner at the time had this friction he was coping with alcohol and marijuana. And so he would kind of thrust weed on me a lot. And there was a lot of, oh, you seem really stressed. You'll feel a lot better if this. And while I I don't personally have anything against that, if it's something you do, by all means, you know, you do you. But at the same time, I think in that situation, it was me avoiding handling all of those feelings that were coming up. And so it just got repressed and repressed and repressed. Mm -hmm. And I lived in this constant state of denial and just convincing myself that the situation wasn't as bad as it truly was. I mean, even to the point that my best friends would not necessarily bring up how terrible it was. And there were times where, you know, there'd be little comments and I would get so defensive and I look back on them now or somebody will bring something up now that I've repressed to the point that I don't even have certain memories. But I'm like, if somebody told me that about my friend or, you know, my future daughter, that yeah. somebody had treated them this way, I would be appalled and be yelling at them to get out, which I, I know is not the right approach, but that's how strong it is, but also how strong that repression was at the time. So um, eventually it, it did lead to um, the disease progressing and his mother passed away. And that was kind of a catalyst, kind of a, a move, uh, need to move forward moment for me. I needed to... Right figure out like I didn't have this excuse anymore. I could keep repressing my feelings or I could make a decision. Wow. Yeah. I think 
you did the best that you could with your circumstance and no one's at fault. It's just everyone deals with things differently. And I'm grateful that you were able to kind of step back from the situation and view it in a different way. And I, I remember you telling me that, I mean, obviously you cared deeply about his mom in general too, as a, as a human. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she was able to have even conversations with you about questions that you were having and things like that. Um, which I, I'm sure was so impactful as even more of a catalyst than just the circumstance, you know? Yeah. I mean, she was a wise, wise person. And I think she saw some of the personality traits that weren't in alignment with what we talked about having wanted, like things like children. And she would make mm -hmm. comments like, you know, I don't know that he's going to handle that very well. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. In, in the moment, you don't think about it as anything more than little comments here or there. But in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, oh, she was very, very wise. But yeah, ultimately, even after she passed, I, I had a really amazing grief counselor who encouraged me to invite her into my meditations. And through that, I had these yeah. kind of, um, I was kind of going through a, a very much a spiritual awakening at the time. And I was able to have these you know, conversations, depending on how you look at it, whether you think of it as, you know, legit, real, she was there versus just symbolism in your mind. Ultimately, it all led to the same thing, regardless of what you believe. But those were amazing for me and allowed me to have really tough conversations about that situation. Um, and I think really led me into meditation in general. So at that point in my life, I went through a really deep spiritual awakening where I was meditating and it ultimately totally shifted my perspective one day. And this is the goofiest spiritual awakening story that has to exist on the planet. But mm -hmm. I had this dream where Jesus, like stereotypical Jesus image from church, Sunday school, whatever, going down a bouncy castle slide that is made up of clouds. And he's like cracking up laughing the whole way down. And he gets to the bottom and just looks at me and is like, Abby, the whole thing was about joy not guilt, mm -hmm. not condemnation, not rules. The whole thing was just about joy the whole time. And I literally woke up from that dream and I didn't smoke weed another time in my life. I started the wow. process of having the divorce conversation and moving into a separate space and all of that. And it was, it was that quick for me. And I, I don't know if that's normal, but that was kind of my story. How did you kind of cope with all of the the fear and anxiety in your situation because I know you were kind of going through the same thing. Yeah, I mean, mine was much slower than a, a cool whimsical dream. I'm <laughs> I know that you it took a long time to get to that point for you too, but you know, I thinking back, it was a lot of just leaning on other resources, other people through podcasts, through books, through, you know, um I listened to, like I said, a podcast episode where this person was talking about um, how to experience self-confidence, which seems so, you know, like surface level, but it was very much about this concept that, you know, your self-image, your even your education, your family, your friends, everything around you can go away. Those things can drift. Those things can change. You can lose anything but the one thing that you can hold true to is is trust you have to be able to trust yourself and so yeah. you have to know that you can make changes in your life and trust oh like I can change and I trust myself I trust that I can actually do that and I think a lot of things 
specifically in my situation with anxiety, you kind of lose a sense of reality and like what is real. It's like your brain is telling you all these stories and you're lost in this experience. And it's like, I can't trust anything and everything almost becomes two-dimensional. Wow. I don't know if you had a shared experience outside of anxiety specifically, but you know, (laughs) that sounds so so different than my experience, not necessarily because I wasn't experiencing anxiety, but because the way I coped with it was Mm. that repression that I just powered through everything. And so I don't think I ever allowed myself to feel it in my body the way that you did. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting to think about. You kind of, you led with the behavior and changes first before, like I kind of have like a, a trickle effect where things have to cognitively <laughs> like set in before I make any changes. And it was kind of the other way for you, I feel like, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but you know, that episode itself was, is really minor and it's a very small piece of advice that had huge impacts on kind of what I did next. And, um, Ultimately, we met each other during that time, which Yay, is the crazy. Best time. <laughs> yes. It was precious. Where the story begins. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so when I met you, I had been um, just trying to like even learn what my emotions were and like what the sensations were in my body, um, make small changes that felt good for me, even just like building intuition, things like that. And I did that through really small behavior changes of like, I would go to the store and if I wanted to walk down a random aisle, like freaking baby clothes aisle, and I had no reason to do that, I would just, you know, follow that little voice in my head and do it and just trusting that I could do small things for myself. And that was it. Like, I don't need a real reason besides the fact that I want to. That is what kind of helped me build up this inner communication and explore things like that while also exploring my belief system and other deeper concepts. Um, And then that led to us ultimately having really deep conversations when we first met. So a little bit more context. I was in my senior year of college when we met. I picked up a random job doing COVID testing and Abby worked for the medical practice that I went in and was COVID testing. So I was sticking things up your nose every day and good times, good times, good times, good times. And I was just—it was just like a random part-time job that I had in college. And you were working this huge job, like trying to do all this stuff, which I had no idea about, which is crazy. And then um, was asked to join your all's team because I, said, I guess I want that one, <laughs> <laughs> which was sweet. I was like, wow, I just did all this interviewing for another corporate job and got that job. And you guys want to hire me and you haven't even seen my resume. <laughs> we Which just says knew. a lot for like destined. where we landed anyways. Yeah, it's just what well, it was just what was meant to be. It was perfect. So, yeah. you know, we our lives overlapped and we just started having these really profound deep conversations. A lot of it came from like my anxiety of like do I take this job? Do I leave this other corporate job that I had planned to do? But it also like led us into this concept of like what is life really about? And does this even matter? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so I was able to like learn about all these whimsical meditation experiences that you were having, which were things that I hadn't even dabbled with yet, which was so cool. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that process was, where you were at when you met me on your side of things? Yeah, for sure. I think for us both, the podcast thing was huge. So maybe mm. that is like, 
foreshadowing or should have been foreshadowing for us, but (laughs) meditation, learning through reading and podcasts, yoga. I just, for the first time, unlike you, I I wasn't feeling things in my body. I repressed everything. And all of a sudden Mm. I had all these feelings and I wasn't repressing it through, you know, marijuana or really even a life because at that point I was technically still married, but kind of for all intents and purposes, I was living a completely separate life from my partner. We were just Mm -hmm. kind of going through the motions, doing it all for show. There was no feeling involved, none of that. And so my time was work and meditating and working out and yoga. So I really, really felt into my body for the first time in my entire life. And it's to this day still not something that comes naturally to me, but I'm really grateful despite the reason that I had that time, I'm really grateful that I did have that time to just focus on that. And that led me to adopting a lot of general wellness and sustainability practices. It led me to, I think, really adopt the role that I was in from a professional standpoint. And that role Mm -hmm. at Wild Health, it's a company that is based on precision medicine, preventative, optimizing health, but there's this kind of crunchy aspect to it additionally. Mm -hmm. And that allowed us to run this event called the summit where Mm -hmm. Bailey and I brought in these practitioners who did breath work and acupuncture and all of these alternative medicines and, and not even just medicine, but alternative approaches to wellness and mental wellness and really allowed us to dive even deeper to these things that we had just kind of started dabbling in. Um, And really that community is what boosted my growth so much. I don't know if you feel the same way about that time, but being able to bounce back and forth. Yeah. It was like a little incubator that we were stuck in and we had no idea (laughs) that it was just like changing our whole perspective on life, you know? Oh, yeah. I feel like during – go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it was just – it was wild that that was our job and we were just – I mean, right. out in these campsites in nature, making ourselves better humans and getting paid for it. <laughs> right. Like I, I do feel so privileged in that like we kind of let ourselves to a certain point and then I feel like Wild Health just grabbed our hands and like yanked us into this experience of like, okay, now you're going to do breath work and you're going to have these really crazy experiences. <laughs> and now you're going to like learn how to live off the land and we're going to stick you in the middle of the woods for five days and just and anything you're possible. Could. Doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the heck? What the heck? Yeah. I mean, also though, I think you couldn't have said it better. It just grabbed our hand. And that community for me was what gave me the push. Like I said, at at that point, it was living separate lives. And at that point, I got a bank account, $100 to my name, and I pieced out. Like, Mm. that was it. I moved out. And it was tough. But the community really supported that, even though they didn't know. I was very private about this at the time. Right. You were, yeah. But without knowing, the community still was there to provide that for me. And then mm-hmm. I think, too, understanding the why and how and the actual science behind it, because I am a very cerebral person and right. I'm not somebody who naturally does feel things in my body. So to not just have somebody go full woo-woo about the breath work and meditation, but to truly unpack the science behind it just yeah. validated everything. 
Yeah. And there's just something to be said about, like you mentioned, the community, because when you're in person with people, you get to literally see the shift of their experience. And I think that was supportive in our own, you know, thought process and things that we were going through. But to watch other people have these experiences of seeing them come and be especially doctors specifically that we were working with mm-hmm. that were the clients that had come to these events. They were very locked up. They were very much in their head. They were very separated. It was the sense of separation immediately when you see and talk to these people. Yeah. Which I think we can all relate to. I mean, there's definitely that disconnect when you first meet someone, first of all, that you never met. And second of all, if it's someone that's so wrapped up in their work that they know how to have those, you know, robot conversations. They know how to, you know, get by. And then two days later, they're laying on the ground crying (laughs) and just giving you the biggest hug ever. And just, you know, it's so impactful. And I feel like I'm being a little cryptic about what actually led people there. But, you know, we were doing all these really interactive experiences that not only we were watching heal people, it was healing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just this incubator. It was insane. And you were going through this really challenging time. And I was you know, this little, what, 23 year olds, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, Abby, I'm so sorry. Like, I love you so much. And I was, I was trying to support you as much as I could, but I'm so grateful for that experience that way we we were in, because if we had just been sitting at an office desk, you know, we wouldn't have landed here. I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have impacted you or been able to have the type of conversations that we were having or just let Mm -hmm. go of things that we were needing to let go of and you specifically. And yeah, yeah, it was just beautiful. And to see the difference between Friday and Sunday between people, they would show up and I, we would talk yeah. about it, you know, at the events yeah. and, and for some context and background here, these events were marketed to memberships of our education program at the company, mm-hmm. which was very much geared around medicine and science, not mm-hmm. around the crunchy stuff. And so we would bring people out and there was one full day <laughs> panel that was devoted to precision medicine, but the rest of it was like getting in touch with nature, healing trauma and breath work and all of the things that help balance your life. And some of it was way out there. You know, some of it was the holotropic breath work. And some of it was like, Hey, plant these mushrooms in your kitchen and you can incorporate more mushrooms into your diet and they're good for you. Right. You know? Right. Right. And I think that the, the beauty of that was just, I can't even put words to it because it allowed people to kind of adopt what they wanted to and what they needed to. And it did that for us, number one, through experiencing it, but also like you said, by watching others mm-hmm. experience it too. And then it kind of led us to this point of like, okay, there's so many things out there. There's so many people out there that first of all, deserve access to this, but you know, there's so many people out there that, you know, have no idea that these things exist, especially specifically Mm -hmm. in our communities. These are really popular things within the biohacking and doctors and science-y world, but how can we get this trickled down and simplified and used in our little girly girl normal lives? Like we're not, (laughs) we're not doctors, we're not biohackers, we're not doing all this crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. And now that we're not in roles, oh, sorry. You're good. You're good. Now that we're not like in this role where we're literally getting paid to actively do this day in and day out, I think- how do you incorporate these things into your everyday life? You know, for me mm-hmm. at that time, 
in some ways it was the most difficult time of my life. I mean, it's not fun to have $100 to your name and have to start over, but it was also super simple. Like I had $100. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going out and hanging out with Mm -hmm. people. I wasn't dating because I was in the process of a divorce. So this was all I had time for. And now I look back and I'm like, that was so simple at that time. It was so easy to wake up and meditate and go to work and come home and work out and do breath work. And now I look at my schedule and I struggle. I struggle to figure out how to find the balance and still do these things that I love and I do get so much out of, but where do they fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being able to simplify things and understand that that piece of like just being aware of your experience like, thank you, universe, for bringing us to this point of almost prevention rather than like trying to get mm-hmm. rid of all the like being like, oh, it's been 20 years and I have no idea what's going on in my body or like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what my emotions are or, you know, now we're so well equipped to be able to make good decisions moving forward, but also just like to be aware and decide today like, I know where I'm at. I don't need to do breath work. I don't need to go do a cold plunge. I don't have to do this and this and this and this and this. But, you know, I can say I know where I'm at and I love myself Mm -hmm. and I know that I've made good decisions where I'm at, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And just feeling that not everything is for everyone every day. Mm -hmm. I think that's something Mm -hmm. that I historically have struggled with. I go to a conference or I hear a podcast and – uh, my fiance. So now everything is great. <laughs> Good fiance. Yes. Caught you yes. up to the end of the story there, but uh, he will make fun of me because I'll listen to a podcast and I'm like, we need to be meditating every day and we need to not have yeah. any toxins in our life. And it's like zero to a hundred and just learning to dial that back and learn that it's okay to take one step at a time. And it's also okay to not take a step. You know, some days there are days where me showing up is me acknowledging that I'm not showing up today. I am putting on my yoga pants and my hoodie, no bra, and this is it. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) Yep. And I'm loving on myself just as much by doing that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's not a wasted day by giving yourself that time and that space. And it's not even, you know, a day, a, a rest day, so to speak. Like I didn't earn this rest day, which is how I used to look at it. It's more this is what I need today. So I'm going to honor that. And tomorrow we're going to look at what I need again. It's not tomorrow. I'll make up for the fact that I did this, you know? Right. Right. So kind of reflecting back on the past five years now, maybe not that many, four years. I don't know. I've lost track of time at this point. (laughs) Do you feel like was the most impactful place or piece that you felt was able to shift you. I mean, I thinking back, like you did this really cool meditation, you've done all these things, but what was the thing that you feel like carried you through to even now, like a practical thing that got you here that you would do over and over and over again? Gosh, that one's tough because I think for me, there was the catalyst of the meditations and breath work mm-hmm. that really pushed me to the next chapter in my life, but that's not something that I've been able to commit to day in and day out. Mm -hmm. I I would definitely be lying if I said that. I think for me, it's approaching most days, not all days. I have my days where it is not there. But with this, I am worthy because I am Mm -hmm. here mentality. Mm -hmm. 
and truly embracing the fact that I don't need to perform in order to be worthy of love, affection, attention, rest, Mm -hmm. nutrients, fill in the blank. I don't need to earn the things that make me well and just continuing to seek balance in that. What about you? I know your, your process was a little bit like slower waves versus these huge peaks and valleys. Um, What would you say is the biggest day-to-day thing that you would take away from all this? You know, I feel like the biggest skill that I use truly day in and day out is this concept of just pausing and allowing yourself to decide your response. So to take it a few steps backwards, you know, Every single day, things happen to you. When you first wake up in the morning, you smell things, you see things, you feel things, whether it's you know a wave of anxiety first thing in the morning, your dog barking, a baby crying. There's, you know, there's stimulus coming towards you every day, all day, mm-hmm. and you have the power to pause in that moment and decide how you're going to respond. And whether that's through compassion and self-worthiness, like you mentioned, or if that's through defaults you know, anger or whatever coping mechanism through emotion, Mm -hmm. through drug, through whatever that you decide to lead with. So I think having just the opportunity and awareness to pause and make decisions about what my responses are has been a huge, huge impactful, you know, thing that I do every single day. So, and that kind of led us to the title of this podcast. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, pause. (laughs) recess uh-huh, uh-huh. we're taking it we're lighthearted. we're recess we're playing around and yeah, we get to I decide like what our outcome is you know we get to yeah. decide who we are exactly and really approaching it I think we both hinted around this word but intention I think mm-hmm. is kind of at the heart of all of this is you take that recess you take that pause and you set an intention for it and sometimes that intention is not maybe the best and that's okay too but sometimes that intention can and should be to approach that moment with grace for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully through this podcast, we're able to provide you all with a little bit of a pause, a little bit of a recess from your everyday and allow you to set an intention for whatever it is that day that you need help coping with. And sometimes you're going to hear us and you're going to hear the experts that are coming on board and introducing new ideas and new practices to you. And it's not going to be for you. And that's kind of the point. You know, we want to give you an abundance of tools, just like we've been given over the course of the past handful of years that have introduced us to these incredible people that we're going to be bringing you and allow you to pick and choose what works for you. And maybe it's different from day to day, but being able to understand that you don't have to take it all, but we hope that you will find it educational, informative, and enjoyable. And Maybe even a little bit like recess as a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next week, I sit down with Dr. Erin Falls. I guess it's her last name now. She's married and, and changed over her last name, which is great. Um, and we talk about kind of this foundation of health and how to take your power back in more of a physiological sense. Um, so the impacts of disease on the body and how you can kind of understand where to start, where to begin, who's there to support you, how to support yourself and take it one day at a time. 
So I'm so excited love to see you back again. I know. I know. She Maybe is that's so good. Fun. You all are going to get so spoiled by her expertise. I mean, it's just going to be awesome and provide you with such a good foundation for having great general wellness and making good decisions, mm-hmm. whether it's your first step or you're really refining what that practice is for you. Yep. Well, we hope to see you there. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. However you got here, we're glad that you did. And we hope that you will subscribe and come see us next week. Yep. We are Live Recess on Instagram, Live Recess Podcast, and then LiveRecess.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. See ya. Thank you.